Just, just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, and see if good things will happen for us. Yep, we're back. Break's over. Episode 42, just dishing it. What's going on, boys? Missed you. How much? New year, you know. New year. New year, same new year, pod. new merch. New year, new merch. New year, same pod. New year, same pod. Go get that new merch. Yes. What's going on, boys? Not much. Uh, preparing for our uh, big old storm that we're uh, supposed to be getting here tonight. Uh, hunkering down and had to do the mad dash to the grocery store before this. So, man, you know, you get any good. fights in the produce aisle or anything like that? Any psychopaths no. in there? No, I wish. No, there's just some lady holding up traffic in the parking lot, and I parked it. I almost went up to her car. She was still. Was she waiting. one of those signalers waiting for someone to back out? Yeah, you love those people. <laughs> Could have been in and like out of the store by the 40s. time you waited yeah. for your goddamn I went, spot. I went yeah. and parked and almost knocked on our window and said, lady, there's some spots over there. Yeah. Yeah. I, Buffalo people. And I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would think we'd be conditioned for it. And I say we just, you know, I don't know. I, nope. I think it's just people. Mm-hmm. People in general. Mm-hmm. Well... We're not going to waste any time. We got a lot to cover. We have a return guest coming. Jared Halt is back. Bring him in. Jared, what's up, buddy? It's good to be back. Yeah. You're looking a little crooked, but. I always do that, too. It seems like the more I just blabber away, like my hat moves slowly. I got something going on there. Looking like Slim Shady. What's going on, Jared? How How was your holiday season, my man? Good man, it was good. Good time, uh, good time with the family. Good time, just kicking back a little bit, enjoying the holidays. Last year, I uh, actually had COVID around the holiday season. So uh, it's nice to nice to be able to be full uh, full health this year. Get to spend some time with the family and everything. But yeah, it's been it. good. Like, like Derek said earlier, just preparing to hunker down for this storm tonight. But other than that, doing good. Love it, man. Love it. So I mean, I'm we're getting right into it here. <laughs> How did you feel about Evan Rodriguez when he was in Buffalo? Wow, that's that, that is just like a hell of a way to, to start off the pod. Like of all the questions you could ask, I think that was like the one I was probably least expecting. But no, so it's kind of funny because that was obviously uh, for anyone who's sort of ingrained in the Sabres Twitter circles, that was quite a hot topic today. And um, as Rodriguez has had a good season, you know, it's been talked about a little bit more and more. And Honestly, I was a bit apparently just now seeing some of the reactions. Like, I was a much bigger fan of him back then than a lot of people appeared to be. I, um, I even remember like when I was working for the Sabres, like just watching him on the penalty kill specifically. Like, I always just thought he was a really smart player. Like, he's obviously never had crazy point totals or anything like that. But even just going back to when, um, even before the Sabres were drafting Eichel, like we signed Rodriguez out of BU. I was a big fan of him back then. Um, I never like expected him to be some, you know, high scoring player or anything like that. Like, yes, his production could have been better in Buffalo as I imagine most of the rosters could have been during those, uh, those Ralph Ralph Kruger, those Ralph Kruger days. But um, no, honestly, honestly, I was a much bigger fan of him than I think uh, a lot of people were. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I was kind of in the same, I was in the same school, I think. I that's anyway. Sabres Twitter was going nuts today. We all know what a interesting place that can be. Most of us here, right? But so I think that's why I wanted to start with that because I'm reading all this stuff and I'm like, I don't remember most of this. Like I, I thought it was a pretty consensus thing about him. Like he seemed to yeah. work hard, working guy, penalty kill, smart hockey player. Just I think not to cut you off. I think that's where a lot of sort of the disagreements have come from what I've seen, which is a little weird because some people are sort of saying like, he didn't really try that hard when he was here. Um, yeah. I, like, like you just said, I thought he was kind of the opposite. I thought, you know, as I sort of mentioned there, the point totals maybe never, uh, never came with it. But I think for the most part, like everyone sort of knew what he was as a player. So I, I don't know. I didn't really see the need to have some sort of like drastic reaction as if he like wasn't living up to expectations or anything, because no one expected him to do what he's doing now. I think now it's sort of just like a found money type thing for Pittsburgh. And, you know, they're going to have to see if he can repeat it down the line, obviously. Uh, yeah. He's having quite the career year. So, 
Um, no, I, I don't know. I think I think people just in hindsight a little bit are overreacting. Um, but I think even back then, some people just maybe didn't appreciate him completely as a player just because of the uh, the sort of optics on the team as a whole. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about it too. But hindsight's twenty twenty with that stuff, right? But it was something. always on Twitter. That's Dude, the, that's the yeah. problem with Twitter is like when you can go back and search for any tweet that anyone has ever posted, you're playing a dangerous game, especially yeah. in sports where like most of these tweets that get dug up and stuff were just like live instant reactions to one little play you saw in a game and then it gets completely taken out of context like years later so I, you gotta I, be dangerous with that or you gotta be careful with that stuff but Jared, sure. what i what i hate about that too right is you could tweet in like 2017 like this guy's playing terrible whatever and then someone's gonna dig that up and quote tweet you like three years later when that dude makes an all-star game in any sport right and then it's like well, yeah, he stunk when I said it three years ago. Like things change. Like players adapt, they get better, or whatever. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely a dangerous game. That was actually something I was pretty cognizant of um, when I did get hired with the Sabers because obviously I was so um, involved with sort of exactly what we were just saying. Like I was live tweeting most of the games. I was just posting my thoughts. I wasn't sort of preparing to um be working with the organization at any point so i deleted all my old tweets because i didn't want to be working there and have someone dig up a tweet about zach bogosian fucking sucking or something like two years ago so (laughs) i I made sure to cover my bases there but no i I think i think it's funny it's tough because i think looking back uh, a lot of these tweets that get dug up you know like i said you don't really have the context for them so it's kind of tough to see you see this with like athletes and stuff all the time and you know, there's actual like agencies now that are just, you know, fully fledged in charge of wiping guys tweets before they get drafted and stuff like that. So no, it's, it's an interesting space. Social media is a a dangerous game. What an amazing job that must be. If you work at one of those agencies and your guy, that's actually scrubbing through people's Twitters. Do you you think they got like their own snap groups back and forth or like, look at who's so and so and they just like, they send it back and forth. How could you not be tempted to do that in that position? Just some for the of those, inside uh, laughs for the fellas. Yeah, some of those Josh Allen ones a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I think even just some of the, like, there's got to be some good ones that get shared around with different yeah. guys, especially, like, when you're in charge. Like, those ones, it's a little different because when they surface to the public first, it's like, okay, everyone sort of saw them. But, yeah, if those guys are digging up anything, you know, that no one else has seen, I'm sure they're having a good laugh about it. Yeah, for sure. Um. Well, before we get too far along, though, I, I mean, we haven't even really talked about this publicly, but um, the obviously the new merch is out, everybody. I brought it up in the beginning of the show, but we're going to be doing a little content trip. You know, the, the team here heading to Las Vegas during All-Star Weekend. How excited are you guys? Let's just get the group in on this. If Derek wants to come in, too. Yeah, I want to hear like, it, I, I, Yeah. Tuesday's been practicing. Yeah, dude. I'm I'm so pumped. Like this is gonna be awesome. Obviously, like be a good mix, right? Business trip with the boys, but we've got a crew going, and Jared actually got me fired up in the group message a couple weeks ago, right before the shutdown, uh, when he was talking about hammering one of the lines. And I was like, hey man, every single bet we make between now and February whatever it is we go the first week of February, it's practice. But yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked. It's going to be a blast. We're going to get some great content. And, um, you know, hopefully I actually heard on Chicklets this week as well. I was going to shoot him a DM, but uh, our boy, friend of the program, AJ Galanti is actually going to be down there for the uh, Chicklets Cup as well. So uh, some, some guests of the show that we'll get to uh, interact with as well when we're down there, hopefully. So, yeah, it's going to be an awesome trip. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, like, obviously everyone sort of thinks about going to Vegas at some point. Never really know when it's come, going to come up. So, uh, you know, when that uh, when that idea was spurred, definitely definitely was very excited. And, you know, I think it's it's crazy, too. Like you were just sort of saying, it's, it's only a month away. It's sort of so soon. So you don't really have that time to – really think about it too much we had to get right into booking our stuff getting ready for it and all that but no i think i think it's gonna be crazy i think the coolest thing is just how many different things are going to be sort of going on that weekend i was actually just talking to matt yesterday and he mentioned that uh the pro bowl is there 
that weekend too. And I had no clue. So oh, I, I think there's, there's going to, there's going to be just so many different people in town to sort of link up with, get content. I think that's, that's cool because, you know, I'm sure we'll have some sort of stuff set in stone, but I think sort of being able to take it by day and just try and do a bunch of different shit and fit in as much fun stuff as we can while we're there, will be a really good time. Right. Even hour by hour, right. With all that other stuff going on, just seeing what comes up, seeing what opportunities come our way. But yeah, it's going to be, uh, I won't be sleeping much. Probably not. I I won't imagine. I won't imagine that would be okay. Yeah. The flights for that. Uh, but yeah, Derek city that never sleeps, you know, (laughs) no, I, I will imagine that my camera will be rolling for probably 24 seven for like three days straight might have to get a new hard drive for it honestly but uh, i'm really looking forward to it um i think it's gonna be a real fun trip um there's gonna look like rambo with the fucking camera batteries just strapped across the chest (laughs) honestly i'm i don't know what i'm gonna do it's gonna be it happened it happened so fast too like i remember kev mentioning it a while ago for going down there all-star weekend and then we kind of like didn't talk about it for a little bit and all of a sudden, like, I remember, like, I was sitting there at dinner with my girlfriend before we went to see uh, Hamilton over at Shays. I'm sitting at dinner downtown. I look at my phone and Cav was like, oh, yeah, book the flights. These are the ones, like, we're on or whatever. And I'm sitting there at the dinner table, book my, <laughs> book my flights and buy them, send it in the group message, and I'm good. And I was at family the show, dinner also. Yeah, and then after the show, we're driving home, and I was like, Shit, I guess I'm going to Vegas in like a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> how was how would you write Hamilton since uh, you brought it up? Honestly, like so that was my first like professional um musical that I had gone to. I thought not, it was awesome. Not uh, field trip related from high school. Yeah, like and I didn't really see myself being like a fan of, of that kind of show, but I loved it. It was a good time. I'd definitely go back uh back for more. So confirm John Tudor's a theater guy. Broadway, Could Broadway be. John. Could be. The girlfriend's got Broadway John. Her with her mom, so she's uh, she's got me going uh, locked into some shows once in a while. So oh, he's gonna have kids gonna have yeah. season passes next year. Yeah, dude, I might, I might have to, I might trade in my hockey stick. Uh, it's gonna be some uh, for some playbills. There you go. Going to be rolling in with a nice Cabernet, seeing your finest uh, productions that's coming through Buffalo, New York. We can we can sit here and make jokes about it now because he brought it up, but let's let's be real here. The the reason he's going, he's finding ways to gamble on the place. (laughs) (laughs) Over under on line fuck ups, like that's what he's looking for. Really, at the end of the day, that's that might be it. You know, can't confirm or deny. Yeah, I mean, hey, who knows? Next time I go, maybe we'll book a trip somewhere else. It might be yeah. a, uh, you know, might be just the the kickstart I need to book a boys trip. There you go. Well, Jared, um, I won't ask your thoughts on Hamilton. We'll save that for another episode. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not too familiar, so that wouldn't have been. Yeah, that would. That's that's fine. So, Jared, I mean, it's been a while since we talked to you. I mean, it was back near the summer, I think. Any updates, anything going on, you know, to, to catch everybody up who maybe hasn't been paying that close attention with, you know, what you guys got cooking over there at the Charging Buffalo. Updates, new things you're working on. New Year's 2022 now that we're talking. So wanted to ask you about anything in that regard. Always, yeah, for sure. So, no, 2021, it was, it was honestly one of our best years in a while. I think, you know, from my perspective, I think it was just like a big year for us to sort of lay some groundwork. Um, really like establish the pillars that we want to be a big part of our brand moving forward. I think that was not necessarily so clearly defined in the past. We maybe had a lot of different things going on. So I think sort of just narrowing down the pillars that we want to be a big part of our content moving forward. So now going into 22, now that we sort of laid that groundwork, um, now we have like an idea of the projects we want to do um, and the different really just series, um, different projects, whatever, that we can keep compounding off of over and over. So we're not sort of just always working on like a spur of the moment basis. I think just sort of laying that that groundwork so we know what's ahead of us and sort of our big projects that we're continuously trying to grow. I think that sort of just uh, trickles off into all the other content we put out. So I, you bring up pillars and big projects, but pillars more specifically, do you have examples of what you're talking about there that you could share with everyone listening? 
Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, before this year, as I mentioned, I think this past year was really about sort of laying groundwork for our brand moving forward. And, you know, when you sort of look at our brand, if you don't look too closely, you might say, you know, up until this point, we've done a really really good job growing. Um, It's been consistent, steady and all that. And as I mentioned, you know, 2021 was one of our best years in terms of growth uh, in a while, really, since we've started. Um, But moving forward, I think, you know, we, we've had this distribution network of content and of media where we put out podcasts, we put out tweets, we put out highlights, we put out graphics, um, we, we put out articles. And I think really just sort of defining moving forward what the pillars of our brand are going to be. Like, we're always going to put out social media content. We're always going to do graphics. But like, what is going to be the foundation of our brand as we really try and Um, expand and move into a business moving forward and just trying to build sustainability is really just more clearly defining, I guess, what we are uh, as a brand moving forward. So those pillars, um, specifically this past year, we just launched The Charge, which is our weekly newsletter. So if you sign up for that, basically every single Monday, um, you get an email sent to you and it's going to be bite-sized Sabres news on pretty much all the latest uh, that's going on. And we'll have like a feature story with, you know, more long in-depth analysis on whatever the main story is around the team at that point. Um, and then really just, you know, continuing to establish our podcast is pillars as well. And then our digital content in the form of like ebooks. So last year, in the past two years, uh, we talked back in the summer about our draft guide. Uh, that was something we had just worked on a ton last time I spoke to you. And that's something that now we've done it for a couple of years. We sort of, you know, know our process for it, know what we want to do with that. Um, now it's a pillar of our content and it's something that we can plan for every year. And it sort of just supplements that distribution network I talked about of, you know, we post highlights, we post graphics, but those aren't the things that make us unique that we're, you know, continuing to build over time. And, um, so, you know, the newsletter, the podcast and the eBooks are really our biggest pillars, uh, moving forward that are going to be sort of the backbone of our brand. So those people that, you know, they might just follow us for highlights. They might just follow us for news. If you're interested in our content, though, those things sort of take you, um, you know, another layer deeper just to following us. A Discord server as well. That's something that, you know, any TCB followers, you know, a little, uh, little preview. You know, that's something that we haven't talked about publicly yet. But me and shout out to Bill if he's listening to this. Um, you know, it's something we've been planning for probably like eight months now. Um, you know, Discord servers, that's something I, I got exposed to a lot, actually, just from like the NFT scene. But, yeah. um, you know, I think one thing that we, we really want to do just with our content in general is just continue to, to build our community. Um, and really, I think one of the best ways you can do that these days is having, you know, some sort of group chat or group. Um, it's almost like a, a water cooler sort of where everyone can just, you know, go and talk about whatever it may be. We got different channels to, for different topics and stuff. So. Um, you know, all in all, though, like I said, I think really just having those those core things that we want to be part of our brand for the long term in place and then letting the um, the periodic content sort of uh, supplement that. Beautiful, man. I love it. Tudes, what do you got to jump in here? Yeah, as far as that stuff, I mean, how so how is the the team is everyone kind of responded with their own ideas uh, or is this a lot of you know, you have to spearhead it from the top. So, I mean, it seems like you have a lot of really involved, really passionate uh, individuals on the team that really get after it. Yeah, well, I think what's good about that is our group is segmented pretty well for the most part. So we have people who just focus on prospects, people who just focus on the Sabres. Um, now, really, that's one thing that I want to, you know, continue to improve on is really the past few years, it's sort of just been a group effort in whatever we need to do at the time. So really, as we just continue to um, build sustainability and continue to just grow the team as we go on, I think just doing a better job defining everyone's roles from day to day. So, you know, we're not having our hands in all different pots. Me as well. That's something that has really um, changed since I've started it is just trying to narrow my focus on, on what I'm good at and then outsourcing the other stuff to other people. Um, so just kind of continuing on that, I think, you know, just continuing to add more content creators that are um, specialized, I guess, in a certain area will continue to just grow our quality because that's I think that's really where media is going. I think niche communities are sort of the future of of media in general, because people want to follow experts on whatever it is they're interested in. If you're interested in analytics, I want to follow and read 
from some of the best analytics people. I don't want someone who just like generally knows about analytics and sort of just has their hand in a bunch of different places. So I think just continuing to specialize in all the areas that we want to cover prospects, Sabre stuff, analytics, um, it, it, content as well. So even like if we bring on like Sarah, for example, she's, she's just video focused content. And that's something that we didn't really have before. And that's something we want to double down and expand more into uh, moving forward, just because video, as you guys can probably tell, is sort of taking over social media. A lot of brands, especially since TikTok came in, they are like crushing everybody in terms of like how much time people are spending on their apps. So you see something like Instagram now where they just uh, they just implemented a new algorithm change and a ton of the videos that you've been getting uh, fed on your feed now are, or a bunch of the content you get fed on your feed now are video focused. I'd say probably three out of four posts are videos because from their perspective, they, you know, that's easier for them to keep people on the platform. So for us, I think sort of just continuing to evolve with the platforms that we're on as well. That's one cool thing about like the newsletter is, um, you know, we're still creating like editorial content similar to our website, but it just, there's a better outlet for it and we can sort of evolve. We're still giving people the same type of content they've always expected from us, but we just find better ways to sort of distribute it. And um, as I mentioned, just keep bringing in people who specialize in what they're good at. It's like you're walking the line of growing and evolving with the platforms you use that are going to help you grow while not losing focus of what you want to do, what you are good at and what's worked in the past. It's it's kind of that interesting tightrope you have to walk. But again, I'm biased, but I don't care. You guys are awesome at it and you keep getting better. So it's it's beautiful. I appreciate it. The cool thing that the cool thing about brands like ours and just sort of community focused brands is we can sort of just let the content and the followers and like what people, what's doing well dictate what we create. Um, I think at this point, we sort of have a skill set in every area. So if we need to do video stuff, we can. If we need to do graphics, we can. Podcasts, et cetera. So that's sort of, that's sort of my point with the specialization aspect is like if, if we have someone that can do everything, then we can sort of adapt with the times and, and take that um, as we go. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about focusing on what you do well and then outsourcing the rest or, or giving the rest to people that it really that's in their wheelhouse. Because, you know, that's something that I think really ramps up efficiency. So, like, even with a lot of different uh, founders and co-founders of some startups I've been talking to, things like that, that's one of the big lessons that they've been trying to impress on me. Um, you know, as I'm working on some stuff or, you know, working on the podcast here is just do what you do well, and then don't spend your time on the stuff that you're not good at when somebody else is already really good at that. Right. Like perfect example on this podcast is like, Derek is really good at editing and really good at videos. So I'm not going to spend my time doing that when we've got a member of the team that kicks ass at that. So that's been, that's been one of the trickier things as we've just wanted to um, have more structure, I guess, because when, for the people that we have brought in that specialize in something, it's really easy to just assign them to something, whatever it may be, where we still have a handful of people though, that have been here with us from the start that are similar uh, to me as I was at the start where they can have their hand in any, in everything. So narrowing their focus and um, really just putting people in the best position to succeed. Cause that's the thing you may have someone who can do everything, but at the same time, it may be better still to narrow their focus and only put them uh, doing one thing. So that's really just the biggest challenge as well. Just, you know, given that we're not like a full fledged, company with like employees and whatnot sort of managing managing time managing people like managing even myself just you know um when and how i can uh be present to take over for someone or help someone out with something if they need it like whatever it may be that's really just the trickiest thing so um you know you got to just sort of be flexible and as we the point i keep making is sort of just take it uh take it as things go Yeah, that's that's huge. This wind is wild right now, boys. It's going nuts out there. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, I don't know. I'm not whatever, but it's just 
distracted me there at the end of Jared's statement. Nice I, quick little rumble on the window. I'm not, I'm not even mad. Bring on the cold. I want to play some pond hockey. Let me I go know. outside and skate a little bit. I'm sick of this like 40 degree, like this stuff's never going to freeze. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been dying for some pond hockey. Get all the fellas I mean, together, rip it up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing, too, that I wanted to ben, – Benny, did you have more you wanted to talk to on this before I shift gears? No, shift gears because okay. I was going to shift gears. So you, you can pop it so in a second. I'll pop it thing, in a third. One thing I wanted to get some perspective on from our resident Buffalo Sabres expert is um, Penguins fan breaking news today. Trade goes through. Sam Lafferty for Alex Nylander. I don't know what to think about this trade, boys. I really don't know. Like, I think, uh, really, Pittsburgh's just looking for their next Evan Rodriguez here. I think, I think so. I think what it is. So I saw like a funny tweet today where it was like, it was a video of Nylander in his Sabres gear, and it was like. The Penguins have done pretty well with Sabres castaways, and then it showed, like, Ruedel and Rodriguez. I was like, all right, fair, fair enough. enough. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't really know what to think. I mean, I think it, it seems think, like just um, more of a change of scenery thing for both guys, but... I think I read something that the Penguins no longer had room for Lafferty, and they were going to potentially have to put him on waivers. So this was sort of an option for them to get someone like Nylander who could use a change of scenery and not have to just put Lafferty on waivers. Honestly, I'm not super familiar with Lafferty myself, but just reading some Penguins um, reactions. I like it seems, him. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people like him as a player. Um, Nylander, just, you know, I haven't watched him really much since he's went to Chicago. I probably watched him that first year when he was more up in the NHL and he was playing with like Kane. Yeah. Um, I know he's in the AHL this year. I think I saw he's around like half a point of per, half a point per game in the AHL, which obviously isn't great um, for someone his status, especially. So personally, I don't really think there's much of a player there um, with Nylander anymore. I am happy to be proven wrong. I don't think it's a situation even like Rodriguez either, where um, he's just going to come in and like a change of scenery is going to, you know, just blow up his point totals or something like that. I think if that was going to happen, we would have already seen that in Chicago. Um, and I don't know. I think just from the start, sort of the the optics and the perception of Alex Nylander have been a bit, have been a bit skewed, obviously by his brother, by his draft status, by all that. Absolutely. Um, but really, I mean, six, since 2016, there's nothing to show you, show you otherwise. So um, not to not give him the benefit of the doubt, but honestly, until I see something else, I'm not really – too uh too excited for Nylander or what he's gonna be doing in Pittsburgh. Before before I say anything else here, um Derek, I want you to jot it down right around like the probably 27 minute mark. I want you to video I want you to clip out the part where Jared said I don't think there's much of a player there and <laughs> save that for me in case Nylander scores like five goals his first five games. We're bringing that back. Uh but uh no, I, I, I tend to uh, I tend to agree stuff. with you there, right? Yeah, <laughs> I I tend to agree with you there. I just it was interesting because he's one of those guys that I remembered when so they traded Nylander away for Yoki Haru, right? Yes, uh, right. On my birthday. And, oh, happy birthday! What a birthday right? present! Like happy yeah. birthday, we get get Yoki Haru in uh, Buffalo. But I know Sabres fans were super excited about that. And the vibe from like Blackhawks fans at the time was they were pissed, which is usually a nice indicator of like who won probably, the trade. Probably winning the trade, right? So uh that was one thing. I was like, man, like Sabres fans really didn't like this guy. I mean, granted, a lot of them didn't like Rodriguez either, but um yeah, I think I it's very really, different. Very different. I think scenario. they're I think they are very different, yeah. especially as as you said, Jared, with his status surrounding, you know, who his dad is, who his brother is, how high he got drafted, was he the number eight overall pick or something yeah. like that. So um tough stuff. But yeah, I wanted to kind of just get some thoughts on that. And you know, it doesn't look like I'm getting any feedback uh better than what I had myself. So Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't got much for it. I might have been the biggest Alex Nylander hater, not hater, just critic. It's just, you know, because my they, thing too. As soon as they sent him to the AHL, um, 
in his uh, it would have been like his rookie season because he had that weird eligibility loophole where usually guys his age in the OHL they're not allowed to play in the AHL yet. And Nylander had a loophole come in. I think he got loaned from like a team in Sweden to the OHL, so he was eligible to play in the AHL as like an 18 year old or 19 year old, whatever it was. And he like really, really struggled down there and just never got it back. So a lot of people, even around, even back then were saying like, you know, you should have just sent him or I don't, I don't know if they could have even had the option, but it would have been better to just send him to the OHL, let him put up like a hundred plus points there. Cause he had like 70 something as a rookie and, you know, just keep building his confidence and uh, progressively overload him then to the AHL, then to the NHL and so on. And, you know, they sort of rushed him. Who knows? I guess we'll never really know if that, and what uh, extent that played in sort of hampering his development. But, um, I, you know, he struggled there right out the gate and never seemed to really get it back. The yeah. Crazy, the crazy thing, too, is like, and this happens so much with NHL guys because, like, Nylander came in when he was 18 or whatever that year was where he got sent down to the A. Uh, but the dude is still only 23 years old. Yeah, Like, I don't know. Like, sometimes I have those moments where I'm like, this guy's been in the league forever. He's got to be, like, 30. And then it's like, nope, he's 25. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly to my point. <laughs> you know, he got thrusted in right at 18 in the yeah. AHL. So right away you're sort of monitoring his progression because he's one step away from the NHL. It's like Jack Quinn and Paterka this year. It's like right. if he was lighting it up like they were, we would have been, you know, very excited and looking to call him up where when he got called up, you know, people were excited, but it was almost sort of, um, not warranted. So even in the NHL, like he didn't really look all that bad, but he wasn't producing. And then he was sort of just, you know, a guy like that, that you're going to have play in your top six, you can't be average. You need to have some sort of element where you're like taking over games or you can be a difference maker. And he has a, a great shot. That's one thing. Like he really does have a, a strong tool set, but he just never had, like you look at a guy like Paterka and it's like his legs just like never stop moving. They're just, relentless where Nylander it was almost the complete opposite it was like you're like pulling teeth trying to get him to just like skate into the zone or whatever you need him to do whatever it may be but yeah I, I think that was uh it, it, tracking him has been quite weird from the start just because he never really panned out right speaking speaking of call-ups over on that um recent some recent Sabres call-ups here couple guys um I mean one Ukopakalukman's been playing He's weird. I don't understand it. The dude looks terrible in the AHL, gets called up, and now he looks like a solid NHL goaltender. And then uh, Krebs has been just some flashy passes out of that kid. It just on yeah. the money. He's been he's been looking good. What what have you been thinking about some of these call ups here? Yeah, I mean, unfortunate obviously to see uh, Krebs and Tuck on the COVID list yesterday, yeah. but. No, I think, you know, Krebs is an interesting case because as we were sort of just talking about there with like guys like Nylander and Paterka, I think Krebs is a bit of a different case in the sense that, you know, he's most likely going to be a top six guy, but he doesn't necessarily have like, I don't want to say he's not flashy because people are going to take that the complete wrong way, especially after the pass that we just saw on Tuck's first goal and whatnot. But he really isn't a type of player that's going to like, dangle through three guys and like go end to end in the neutral zone like whatever it may be but he's just extremely smart just extremely well-rounded as we touched on there with his passing I think that really is sort of his specialty I see him again different as someone like a backstrom I, I think they just play different styles I see Krebs as more of just almost like a Ryan O'Reilly type where you know he has quick hands he can get in tight but he can also play that um the perimeter game as well, where he's sort of just assessing his options, um, really smart player. So, you know, I, I definitely been impressed with Krebs. Um, Paterka, you know, I think the uh, the reactions to his play in the NHL were a bit hot and cold. Again, sort of going back to the Rodriguez thing, it's just funny how people can watch the same game and take away such different, um, such different reactions. But uh, I liked what Paterka showed. I think what you're looking for from him is exactly what you saw uh, in terms of, you know, some of the stuff that I was just mentioning that Krebs, you don't necessarily look for. Paterka, he has that flash through the neutral zone where, you know, you might just give him the puck coming out of the zone and he's just going to, you know, dangle past two guys, break the puck in for you, make a pass and you have a goal. So um, I think different type of players, you know, you're looking at there and Paterka, he's, he's gone back to the AHL and, um, he's been killing it down there. He just got AHL player of the week this past week. So 
that's awesome to yeah. see. And I, I think really the young players have showed everything that you could possibly want to see. Um, you know, I think obviously they still have a guy like Quinn who's who's coming back to the to Rochester tonight. Uh, maybe we'll see him come up uh, if he's uh, if he's got his conditioning back after having Mono give let him get a chance. But no, I think you know so far it's only it's really small sample size, so it's you don't want to overreact too much. But um, I've liked what I've seen from from Krebs and Paterka, and I think you know you don't really have much to worry about um, with them as uh, core players sort of down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And, and talk even, I, I didn't mention him, obviously, because he's not a call-up. But, um, again, small sample size coming off of his shoulder injury and now, unfortunately, on that COVID list. So Him and Tage Thompson together just really gets me going. Yeah, and like, gotta, man, even Tage this year has just been, like, a different level. I don't know if we if we talked about Tage back in the summer, but, I mean. I don't think we did because if we did, did, it was going to be like, oh, boy, here we go again almost. Right, that's what I mean is, like. That was probably uh, before we even knew he was going to play center. Oh, 100%. Right, yeah. until He had mentioned before the season that he talked to Granada over the summer, and that was something they were sort of planning on trying out. But when that happened, I think it was preseason, everyone was sort of like, Oh yeah, that's not gonna work. You know, this is, it sort of was just like a last hope sort of thing for Tage, and I mean, it's just been a revelation. I mean, it's crazy. He's it's so he's funny. Another guy though, like that. He's he's still so young, and people forget that. And it's like it just takes a little while for it to click with some of these guys. But I mean, well, he's Tage, someone that you you saw the flashes from. Yeah, and it was just like there was just lapses with like his judgment and decision-making, whatever it may be, like, where now he just – he doesn't have that. I think he's just playing free and is just – He's not thinking so much. Do you think, exactly. do you think I, a lot of that is with Granado versus, like, coaching in the past where now he can go out there and doesn't have to play up tight? Like, how much of that is, you know, coaches drilling into a guy's head and kind of sending him out there up tight? I think that does have a big part of it. I don't even – know if it's necessarily like from a mindset standpoint like that I think it could be just from a strategical standpoint that the way that he was sort of playing in Kruger's system it just didn't fit his strengths at all what I've seen with him at center is it's almost similar to Eichel in the sense that like if you just give him the puck in the middle with a head of steam like he'll do the rest and I think that's something that he's really unlocked playing center where you know, on the wing, he may have got the first pass out of the zone and that he was looking to pass to the center, where now he's the guy that's breaking the puck out, breaking the puck in, looking for options, or he can just skate right through the middle and use his shot. So I think really just playing down the middle just fits his his skill set so much more. Um, I think just from the sample that we had seen before this, no one really would have expected that he was going to be able to put it together like he has. But no, I mean, he's he's been awesome so far. And it's almost every night. It's not even like he's just – he started hot or something. He did start hot. But oh, yeah. it's not like he started hot and his production is, like, completely falling off a cliff or anything. Even the nights that he's not producing, it's just like he's dangerous out there. He's the Sabres' most consistent, dangerous player on offense pretty much every night. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, him and Tuck – just with their size, their speed, their hand. Like, Ooh. that's a lethal combo. So, it's a couple um, of big boys out there, too. Uh, that's yeah, just, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, Tage is just a physical specimen. So, as you mentioned, like, we saw those flashes and um, you saw sort of the potential with him. And you always thought, like, man, if he could put it together, it'd be, it'd be something. And it definitely has been so far. See, Benny, maybe at some point you could say that they won the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Oh man, you don't know how many people have uh, sent us screenshots with their point totals side by side this year. I know I'm pretty sure Tage, Tage might. I don't know if he's passed them or if if they're close or what it is at this point. But dude, the Blues are—they're a problem this year too. I was watching. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched them the other well. night, and Tarasenko's having a great year again after requested a trade this off season and last Weird year. Weird off season. Yeah, so I mean, the Blues—they they look like a wagon again. Bennington's playing well. So yeah, they're dangerous. Yeah, look out tonight, Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's gonna right. be yeah, seven thirty tonight. That should be a good one to watch. I'm gonna but, tune into uh, that. I think I'm going over six in that. I saw Mr. Ice likes over six in that game, so I might tell him. I yeah. mean, he's yeah, been was, on a heater. Shout out to Mr. Ice. I was kind of keeping an eye on it today, and uh, 
I mean, my guy, big Jeff Carter's out of the lineup tonight. So that's, mm. that's going to be, that's going to be a hit, but, um, yeah, I mean, hey, man, don't don't look now, but the Pens have won eight in a row, and Malkin skating in a full contact jersey of practice. Like, I miss Brian Malkin. Russ just came back. They're, they're going to be looking good, hopefully. You know, Evan Rodriguez gets uh, bumped out of that second-line center spot and get him into some more favorable matchups even. Dude, I would love some late career Crosby versus Ovechkin stuff to try to get one more cup for either of them. That'd be – that's just – that's cool. good for the game. I would yeah, love I, feel like, I feel like there was a point there. I don't know what years exactly, but I feel like the Crosby Obi stuff almost got exhausted a little bit. And now I agree. Yeah. It's like, especially with Obi chasing the record, like yeah. back into those guys. Like we got our young guys now, and those are very yeah. exciting too. But I think, I think they, they have been you know pushed to the side a little bit. And I think seeing them in the playoffs one more time would be cool. I think, I think it, it just speaks cool. to the health of the game overall. With you know what a good place the game is with the young talent. That I think you get guys that too, good push to the side. It's in, it's amazing. It's that's awesome. That's so good for the game. When you, like, when you have guys those, like long-standing rivalries, like still left as well. Like I think when you have as many, like every single team now has a star player. So you may have, you know, your rivalries within division or whatever it may be. But I think like it's going to be tough. We have Bedard and Mitchkov coming up in a couple of years, which should be cool. But I don't know how often we're going to have another rivalry that's sort of as in the spotlight is Crosby and Obi, just because we have so many good players now. Yeah, definitely. And like, uh, what Matt, what Matthews and Eichel. Uh, yeah, have should have been. I was going to go there, but I didn't. Uh, but, I'll do it. It's fine. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. Yeah. There are so many like crazy superstars across the league now. Like now that you think about it, it's almost nuts that guys like Crosby and Ovi, even as they're older, it's kind of crazy that they have to like show those flashes still and be like, hey guys, remember me? Like I'm still in this league. And you know, on a nightly basis, you're watching, you know, these 18 to, you know, 23 year olds ripping it up. And you're like, Oh shit! Like some of these guys can still play too, these veterans. But um, you know, and then you turn on, you know, the TV last night, or you open Twitter this morning, and you see Kale McCarr doing Kale McCarr things, and it's like, is ridiculous. all right, this is a whole, this is a whole different ball game when you've got uh got those wheels. But the guy says yeah. it was a bit lucky. It's just like, oh my god. Dude, uh, just disgustingly good and humble about it. It's just how can you compete with that? You can't. No, he looks like me and Beer League out there. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And Kirby Doc looked like me and Beer League out there. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, poor Kirby. He's had a rough go of it against the Avalanche. He got crunched by Landis Cog earlier in the year and then just has that happen to him against Makar the other night. Just not a good look. But that's another player who – exciting. Like it goes yeah. right in that class of really young guys who are just helping keep the game in such a healthy place. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, aside from Tage Thompson, Jared, do you have anything that's really stood out to you thus far with the Sabres? That could be a regular roster player that's up, a prospect. Anything to you or anything you and the team have talked about that, like, really catching your eye or that's kind of really caught you guys by surprise. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, Tage there, he's sort of, sort of the obvious one on a smaller scale. We touched on this a little bit. UPL, I think I don't think anyone really expected him to have the success he's having just given the production we saw in the AHL really in the past two seasons. So I think that's been a pleasant surprise. I think goalies are just so weird. So that's, that's a tough one to gauge. Um, I think the other one that would probably stand out the most is Mark Pizik, to be honest. Like, he has had just a really solid, steady year. I feel like any uh, any defense partner that he plays with, he just brings stability, you know, to that pairing. And he's just been really solid. I think that's a guy that you don't really think too much about, and he's just been really good this year. But, no, obviously no one's really jumping off the page scoring-wise. Um, you know, Cousins has had a bit of an average year so far. And, you know, he's dealing with some COVID stuff and dealt with some some injuries as well. Olofsson, you know, I think him as well, like he uh, he dealt with an injury for a little bit and his scoring has really just died off recently, which yeah. has been, you know, surprising to see. And I think 
some of that probably has to do with a bit of a lingering in, injury. But, you know, honestly, nothing too surprising. I think for the most part, the team's performance, um, you know, they started hot, which was a bit surprising. And I think we've all sort of seen them cool off a little bit and just come back down relative to expectations. I think they're right about where most people thought they were. They're not bottom of the barrel Arizona, but, you know, they're just not quite that um, the caliber of team that's going to really compete for a wild card just yet. So nothing too surprising. I think maybe just sort of those those individual efforts. Tage far and away the most surprising. Um, but, no, I think we got a good second half here uh, for some guys to come in, maybe get hot, maybe some more call-ups. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I would love to see Paterka back up. I We touched on it earlier too. Just kind of the – I guess confidence he had with the puck, like what he was doing out there positionally. There was a lot to like from him, just the games, the two games I watched them both. Um, you know, but it's been he, um, Paterka, he he played men's played against men in Germany. Uh he played right. at the men's um world championships last year as well with Germany, did well there. Obviously, like he's just That's been right. absolutely lighting the AHL on fire. So, you know, I think <clears throat> I think this is something we talked about when I came on in the summer as well is like this team with the expectations, I think guys know that they can sort of come in and just play free. And I think with Granado, especially he sort of reinforces that. I think he does a good job of sort of getting the players out of their head, focused on the game sort of in front of them. You hear that a lot sort of just in, in his uh, press conferences and um, just really in his messaging in general. So I think, you know, they've really just fostered a really good atmosphere for good for young guys to come in, find their confidence, and um, really just f- some sort of similar to what we were talking about with um, like the charging buffalo and really just pe- putting people in a position to succeed. I think really that's something Granado's done. Obviously, we've seen it with Tage, um, we've seen it with some other guys as well. But I think I think that's just another example of that. Yeah, it's been kind of interesting to watch, and it one thing I've noticed with this team this year is. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like they started out hot, and I remember being at being at the home opener and kind of joking that they were going to win the Stanley Cup. And then it looked for a while like, wow, this team's like better than everyone thought. But even as they've kind of come back down more in that realm of where people thought they would be, every time I watch that team, those kids compete. Like that, it's a it's a group of young guys, but they're in every single game basically. Like yeah. I I can't remember watching games and being like, wow, they don't they don't look like they belong out here. Like they are yeah. in it, and that that to me was surprising because I looked at this roster coming into the season, and I was like, wow, there's probably going to be a lot of nights where you blink and it's three nothing at the end of the first period and you're like, all right, time to pack it up. Think about the preseason thoughts we had about what the lineup was going to look like. Nobody had Tage Thompson as your number one center. And then we hear that's going to be a thing and we're like, uh, okay, where's this going to go? And, it's dude, hockey's a weird sport, man. All sports are weird, but it's funny how, how things work out like that, but. No, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said, too. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. And and maybe that's maybe it's because there's a lot of young guys that are trying to kind of cut their teeth and prove that they can make it, right? You don't really have any. Even veteran guys, too. We there. talked about Pizik, you know, Henestrosa, yeah. too, not to cut Even you off. Even Akpozo, Gergensons, they're still doing their thing. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, Akpozo for heart. I've been saying that since the home <laughs> opener this year. But, uh you know, speaking of gambling, uh, I looked for Akpozo Hart uh, odds after the uh, home opener, and he was actually so far down the list, I could not get odds on him. Nah, uh, really, really good. wanted that one. But, yeah, and then, I mean, not to mention you get, you get kids coming up like Owen Power at some point, and, you know, he's probably going to be on the Canadian national team for the Olympics, it looks like now. Yeah. And, Tearing up the NCAA, a couple goalies tearing up the NCAA. I think hat trick at the is, World Juniors while that was still going on. Yeah, as, as yeah, much as RIP, <laughs> as much as everybody is sick of hearing, I'm sure in Buffalo, like, hey, like the talents there, like a couple years away, like this group. I don't from an outside perspective looking in, like not even a Sabres fan. 
this group looks and feels different to me than that group they were talking about a few years ago when people no doubt i i definitely agree i think really just the crop of prospects they have now i think they're just there's they have so much more depth and they're just so much more prepared to bring these guys up and put them on a good timeline than when uh they drafted eichel i think back then we were sort of hopeful for guys like hudson fashing and justin bailey and eventually alex nylander and these guys obviously just never really panned out where now it's like you have a guy like isaac rosen who you know he's your sixth or fifth guy down your list on your on your prospect list so i think you just if you look at the prospect list they really just have depth everywhere even in goaltending upl he was sort of written off coming into the season um for two reasons one because of his his ahl play like we sort of mentioned but also because they have, you know, two of the best goalies in college hockey. And one of them is like, you know, setting records and stuff. So I think um, I think really you hit it on the head there as well. They're just so much more prepared and um, really just have so much more depth throughout the entire organization as they sort of move forward. And they don't really have to rush guys. Like if you look at the, the left side of the defense, for example, Matias Samuelson is someone that a lot of people have sort of clamored for. Uh, to bring up sometime soon. And it's like, you really don't have to to rush these guys anymore because we're not really banking on Matias Samuelson to be our next, like, number one defenseman or something. Like, I think you can sort of take these guys at their own pace. Um, and I think that, in turn, has, you know, helped all these guys' confidence and not feel that maybe it's pressured themselves and they're able to just sort of go out and play. Right. <clears throat> Thank you for listening, everybody. That was episode 42 of Just Edition It, part one of our interview with the Charging Buffalo founder, Jared Halt. Make sure you tune back in next week as we will be putting out part two of that interview for episode 43 of Just Edition It.